hi, happy Mother's Day. Um, all the mums, I'm a mum. Yay, it's our day. Um, I also, I just want to say too, though, that um, I know this days like this can be really hard if you've lost your mum or if you're just wishing you were a mum, but your time hasn't come or there's things going on in your life preventing that right now. And I just feel actually that um, today God's going to bring you hope through this message. And it's not an accident that I'm speaking this message on Mother's Day. And so if, if that's your struggle, I'm just, I'm praying for you. All right. So we've been in a great series with Robert. Can we just say, I love our pastor. He's the best. Um, so he's been in a series called Winning Your Battles. And today I'm actually going to speak about when you're stuck in the battle. And um, there's something that's really hard about getting stuck in a place. And a quick battle, that's not too bad. It's like, yes, I could do like a quick fight. Maybe like if I have to shoot someone like once, I could probably do that if I had to. <laughs> probably shouldn't say that at church. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to kill me first. Right. Self-defense, obviously. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope no one's on the live stream. Um <laughs> But um, the thought of like a really long battle, I think it's because, you know, when you watch Marvel and they're like fighting for like 10 minutes, it's like, whoa, I don't think I could do that. I would love to be able to do that, but um, that's hard. And some of us have been in a battle with things in our lives for a long time, like for weeks or months or even years. Some of us have been struggling with some of the same issues or some of the same feelings or the same sins. And... That's tough, and today God is going to bring hope to your situation, and he is more than able to work with a very stuck person. In fact, he can, he can break people out of prison, so that's my scripture we're going to read right now, just in case you don't believe me. Let's read about it. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to 25, we're going to read about the first time the disciples were imprisoned. It says, then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts that they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then some people came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. Wow. Maybe when you read this story, you're like, whoa, the Bible is crazy. Like God did crazy stuff back then. Do you ever think that when you read the Bible? Do you read the Bible? It's all right if you don't. I mean, I didn't used to, but this is a good time to start reading the Bible. Woo! 
Um, you know this story. This story is not crazy or unusual or shocking. This story is the gospel. Like if if you're here today and you're wondering, like, who is Jesus? Like, what is he going to do for my life? This is what he does. Like, this is very normal for God. Working out impossible situations. Breaking people out of a place that they don't want to be. That's, that's what God does. God comes and intervenes when it's culturally impossible, when it's physically or legally impossible. God can come and bring a breakthrough and a miracle that you didn't even know he could do. That's who he is. That's the gospel. Oh, I thought you were going to be much more excited about that. You're a hard crowd. It's all right. I've got good stuff. You're going to get excited. All right. So we're going to talk about prison. Woohoo! All right. There's two ways to end up in prison, I think. I think if you deserve it, right? You do the crime, do the time. There's even a rhyme about it for some reason. Okay, so I think in life sometimes we get stuck and we know it's because of things we've done. Like we've made choices that have gotten us to a stuck place. Like we've been angry, we've been addicted, we've, we've said yes to sin, the times when we knew like God is like, don't do it, don't do it. And we said yes. And it gets us to a stuck place sometimes. Um, but there's also the times that you don't deserve it. I mean, I don't think the disciples deserve to be in jail. I don't know if you do, but they're pretty much healing people and telling them good things about Jesus. It's like, wow, you deserve a medal, but instead you end up in jail. And sometimes we get stuck because of things that have happened to us that aren't our fault, like our parents' divorce or addictions in our family or abuse or neglect or things like racism that just take over our lives and we become stuck because of them. But, you know, the good news is that doesn't stop God. Like the disciples didn't deserve to be there. They deserve really the opposite. They deserve like the praise. But God isn't, he's not phased by why you're in, why you're stuck. God's not troubled if it's your fault or if it's not your fault. God isn't looking at things like we look at things. He has such a higher perspective and he said, I'm ready to come in your darkest moment and set you free. That's who God is. Whether you deserve it or not, he's amazing and he's faithful. You know, some of our struggles are very private. Um, and in this time, there was like two kinds of jail. There was house arrest and the public jail. And so the house arrest is really for nonviolent people or for Roman citizens. And they would literally like stay in the house, but people could come and visit. They could cook and clean and do whatever they wanted. I don't know. It's not that fun, is it? Cooking and cleaning. I don't know. That's not fun to me. I know it's supposed to be. I'm a mom, but I don't really enjoy either of those things. Um, and you know, for me, like when we moved to San Diego four years ago, um, I went through like a very private battle. It was like my own house arrest because I didn't even want to leave the house because I started having anxiety attacks. And that is something it's like, there's still stigma attached to mental health issues, I think. And so I would much rather be like, 
I have like this infection in my liver and I can tell people about it. But you don't want to go up to people and be like, hey, sorry, I can't come today. Like, I'm so anxious, like I can barely breathe or I can't get out of bed today because my heart is racing so fast and I'm rushing to the bathroom. Like, I don't know. That's not something I really want to talk about, even though I just told this whole room of people. <laughs> oh, well, God's good. Um, you know, for me, that was like, my little house arrest I had to go through. But you know what? Here I am today. And I want to give you hope, even if you're struggling with something that there's so much stigma attached to it, or you don't want to talk to people, or you don't even want to get help. Like, God's going to bring you through. Like, you're going to be on the other side. Maybe one day you'll be telling people about it and bringing them hope and freedom. Like, that's who God is. That's what he does. The disciples, they're in prison the next day. They're preaching again. It's like, wow, God makes us resilient in the gospel. Like he brings us hope and strength that isn't humanly possible. But the disciples, they ended up in the public jail. It's like the place of shame and condemnation. And some of us feel like that when we get stuck. We feel ashamed. We don't want to come out in public. We don't want people to know what's really going on with us. Why do you think it's so hard to go to life group? Have you ever thought about this? Why is it so hard to go to life group and be in community? Why is it so hard to talk to our neighbors? It's like you probably have people on your own street that you don't even know. Why is it so hard? Because then we have to be known and come out of ourselves, and, and there's all that condemnation and guilt and shame, and the enemy doesn't want us to be vulnerable. He doesn't want us to get healed. He wants us to stay shut down. And, but God is like, I'm breaking you out of that of that prison I'm taking you out of that stuck place it doesn't have to be this big extravagant sin oh well I'm in this prison sometimes we're just shut down emotionally like we don't trust people we don't want to make friends like that's just as much a bondage as being alcoholic or having a pornography addiction like God cares about that inward struggle you have just as much as the things that seem like whoa big sins that he wants to heal. No, he wants to deal with the things that have you bound. He wants to bring you freedom. He wants to get you out of that place. You know, and I want to tell you, like, it's time. It's time to hope. You can have hope. So often we're afraid to have hope because we get disappointed. You know, I think we've all been disappointed I think we've been disappointed by ourselves. Like that's one of the hardest things to get over is when you're just annoyed at yourself. Like, why did I do that? And you're, have you, do you ever do the replay in your mind? Like you go over like, and then I said this, no, why did I do that? Or maybe I just torture myself and you all gracious with yourself. But for me, I, I like remember it all in detail, every single thing. It's like, no, Lord. We can get disappointed in ourselves and other people. I mean, other people um, let us down because we're human. You know, we can't provide what a person needs. Only God can provide that. Even the best Christian marriage isn't enough. Like a husband or a wife, sometimes when we're single, we think like that is the answer. Like I will never feel insecure again. Uh, sorry. Probably first day you're married, you will. Just let you know. Um, but I love this promise in Psalm 22, 
verse 4 to 5, it says, In you, God, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. You don't have to be afraid to get your hopes up because God doesn't disappoint. He's been doing this a long time. As you get older, like me, you start thinking like, I know things now. Like, I know things. Like, I was so much wiser than when I was 20. Like, whoa, I remember when I was 20. And I'm like, God, you've been around since before the generations and the foundation of the earth. I think you know what you're doing. I think you can be trusted. I think you're not going to let me down. God, he's not like a man. He doesn't give and take away like people do. He doesn't withhold because he's bitter or troubled. God is faithful. He's secure. He is faithful and he will bring us through. We can get our hopes up. Listen, a lot of you in here are American. Am I right? (laughs) This is your forte, America. You are the cheerleaders of the world. Americans are the best at this. I might break into cheerleading. I'm debating it in my mind. I, I didn't think it was real. I'm just be honest. Growing up, we watched films, and most of them are made in America. And in high, the high school films are the most amazing and fascinating to English people. <laughs> One, you're all driving to school and wearing your own clothes. I mean, how can you concentrate if you're not in a uniform? And you cannot wear, like, sports shoes in England to school. I'm like, you can't do uh, mathematics and trainers? I'm like, you change into those for PE and you promptly change back afterwards. Anyway, obviously, I'm broken through of that now. But my, my children wear, like, basketball clothes to school. It's like, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Um, but... I just love, at first I didn't love it. I thought it was very obnoxious. But I love the American spirit. It's like, you can do it. You, you can do it. And it's just like cheering and shouting and screaming. And there's cheerleaders at all the games for the boys. I'm like, they're just kids. Why are those girls cheering for them? I just, I don't understand it. But it's like you have to, that is an amazing gift God put in this nation is like to hope, to cheer on, to believe. And then we come to church and we're like, take courage, my heart. It's like, it's like, I've seen you at football games. There is no excuses for this. Like, it's like, take courage, my heart. It's like, come on. It's the playoffs. All the time with Jesus. <laughs> anyway, my point is, if an English person is telling you to get your hopes up, you better do it. We're like the opposite. We're like, keep it down. Don't get loud. Don't want the neighbors thinking there's something wrong with us. Shh. Settle down. Don't get all believing big things like those Americans. Get civilized. No, get your hopes up. This is who our God is. 
And you don't need to wait for the holy or the perfect time. Some of us are punishing ourselves, waiting until we do something, waiting until we prove ourselves, until we're right enough, holy enough to ask God. But no, it's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. Our struggle isn't about us. This is about God. He is ready and willing to break you through and break you out. You know, you can get your hopes up because God will intervene. In verse 19, it says, During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. You know, you might be asleep, but God is on the move. Like, you're, they literally probably were asleep. And he's like, hello, it's time to go. And that's like God. He's waking some of you up today. You, you're not asleep. You're here. I think everyone's awake still. Well done. No one fell asleep in the sermon. But in our spirit, like, are you spiritually asleep? Have you given up on praying and dreaming and believing? Like, I'm preaching to myself too. Like, this isn't just, I'm not telling you off, like, I remember there'll be times like every month I've had goals for the month and beliefs for my family, things I'm praying, all the miracles. I'm like, I need to do that. Like, that's who God is. That's how he works. We have to get our hopes and believe that God will intervene. He comes when we're asleep. He comes in the darkest season of our lives. He's not waiting till you're perfect because guess what? That's not going to happen. Without the blood of Jesus. Like he makes you perfect. He's not waiting for anything. It's time. It's time to come. God is so faithful. It says he brought them out in verse 19. They didn't drag themselves. So often we're like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm weary. I'm tired. Like I can't keep believing for this person anymore. They're just, they've let me down too many times. But God says, no, I am bringing you through. I'm doing it. I'm not weary. He's not weary. He's not weak. He hasn't given up. He's been at this for generations. He is ready. He is faithful. He's breaking us out. So what do we do when we're weary and we feel like, I'm stuck. Like, I've been here too long, Lord. Well, I want to look at another prison episode. Lots of those in Acts. Acts 16, 22 to 25. This is when Paul and Silas... Uh, went to jail. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? Does anyone feel convicted? I'm like, Lord, I complain when I don't have, like, good hair day. I complain about the most trivial things, being stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged, thrown in the stocks till midnight. They're exhausted. And for what? Have you ever been like, I don't deserve this, Lord. I'm a good person, God. It's like they had the case, if anyone has the case. They've just been preaching the gospel. They've just been loving people, healing people. Have you ever been part of praying for someone to get healed? 
that's amazing feeling. Afterwards, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be proud, but I'm a legend now. <laughs> right? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's good. It's good. And then the Lord will humble you and then you'll be back to normal. I'm just being very honest, all right? I'm just being honest. Robert never feels like this, but you got me today. I struggle with all these things. <laughs> ah. um, you know, honestly, I don't know if I'd be praying and worshiping at midnight. Like, by the time I'm tired, like, what do you do? Netflix? I'm serious. Or like sleep in or self-medicate. But do you know what actual disciples do? Actual disciples worship their way through. Like that's intense. Like that's who he's calling our church to be. He is calling our church to worship our way through the hard seasons. To worship our way through like the bumps in the road that come. Some are quick, some is just like a day or two, some are like months when we're going through it, when it's tough, when we're feeling the resistance, when things aren't going as we're hoping or praying. But God is saying, you're going to worship your way through. After they worship, there was a massive earthquake and the jail basically fell down and then they're like, oh, I suppose we can just walk out of the rubble. I mean, wow, that's what our worship does. Like, it causes a spiritual earthquake to happen. It causes the walls to fall down that have been binding us. It's like you have to rise up and worship your way through. I love what King David did. In Psalm 42, verse 5, he was struggling. He, it's easy sometimes to think of Bible people as, like, not real. You know, they're like, well, he was a Bible character. It's like, obviously, he's going to be fine. No, he's just a person. Like, if you read about him, he had some issues, like, with ladies. He had issues. <laughs> Sorry, David, if you're listening. I don't know if that happens, but um, he was amazing, too. Like, he was, he was amazing. He was a king. He was chosen. But he also had rejection on his life, and he had to spend half his life running from the people that were supposed to love him and protect him. I mean, his life was bleak at times. And he said, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is what he had to say to himself when he's in the cave. And the, his father figure in his life wants him dead. And he's supposed to be rich and he's supposed to have power and he has nothing. And he says, Saul, why are you so down? Like, it's time to praise God. And you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but talking to your soul is very important. And for all the mums out there, this is for you. Talking to your soul is like talking to a toddler. All right? You have to say it 50 million times. Who's ever tried to get somewhere on time and you're a mum? If you've done it, you're a miracle worker. Okay, you've got a three-year-old. I have a three-year-old. The shoes are there. He's there. Okay, you've got to put on your shoes. You've got to put on your shoes. 
No. Mom, mom, do it. No. You have to put on your shoes. It's right there. You're like, why, why did I start this battle over the shoes? I don't even care, but I have to, put, I have to push through. Put on the shoes. We're not going anywhere till we put on the shoes. The shoes have to be on the feet. Okay? Right, this is like, this is like your soul. Okay? I'm going to share something. It's another secret of my life. When Robert recently, he came up to me in church and he goes, Hannah, I want you to pray about something. I was like, oh, wow, I don't think he's ever asked me that before. Like, I feel honored. He needs my prayer. And he's like, I want you to pray about preaching on Mother's Day. And I said, me? <laughs> Which is hilarious. Because this is my true reaction. He goes, yeah. And I said, here. <laughs> like, I thought he meant maybe like a little thing or something. I was like, here. He goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, of course, I have to say yes. Because if you get asked to do something like that, you can't say no. So I said yes. And then the next week, I was like, oh, my gosh. Why did I say Yes. I can't physically preach four times in a row. I mean, three in a row, one on Saturday. So that's sort of like a little bit helpful. But I was like, that's too many times. What am I going to say? I'm not holy. <laughs> I can't do this. And they're used to rob it. It's not like getting asked to preach somewhere where they're, you know, like a medium preacher. I'm like, he's like very, very good. Oh. I was like, this is stressful. And then I was like, I'm going to say no. I called my mother-in-law. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm going to say no. I feel sick every day about this. And I told Jason, I was like, I don't even like preaching. <laughs> do you know when you just get really negative and then you're just like, everything's terrible in my life. No one loves me. Because one person like gave you a bad look and you're like, maybe it's just me, but I get, I spiral sometimes. <laughs> And I was like, Jason, you don't understand. I don't even like preaching in front of people anymore. <laughs> He's like, I think you should pray on it for a week. So I did, and whoo, I'm here. But, um, but what I was going to say is, I had to, <laughs> I had to speak to my soul. So I was like, Hang on, Hannah, what are you doing? Like, you you want to follow me and you love me and I give you opportunity and then you say no. It's like, hang on a minute. So I'm like, Hannah, stop it. Hannah, come on, get up in your soul. It's time. You need to pray. You need to get through this. You can do it. It's like you just have to start speaking to your soul and you have to say yes because God has a calling for you and God has things he wants to do. And then when he gives them to you, you complain about it. What is wrong with us? People, we're crazy. We are sometimes. We need heaven so badly so we can get fixed. But you know what? He's fixing us now. Like he's bringing us through. You know what? Prison, this time, like this stuck time, this isn't your destination. This is just your preparation. Like this time is just a time he's preparing you. Like the things that, um, that you thought were going to trap you, they're going to propel you to where you're meant to be. Like the things that have bound you and oppressed you or the struggles you've been through, like the hard story, the way you've had to fight through adversity, like that's not a sob story. Like that's your God story. Whoa, that was like a little rhyming preachery moment. Like 
That was Bianchi. <laughs> yeah, it's not a sub story. It's your God story. Like this is your life. You've been through hard things. A lot of us have come from some really hard places. But God saved you and he has a plan for you and he's moving you forward. You either stay in this jail or you get out of it. You either say like, I'm not ready, Lord. Don't unlock the door yet. Or you're like, it's time. Like, let's come out. Let's wake up. Let's come out. Let's be who we're meant to be. It's so good because there's a new day coming. There's a new time. Sometimes we, we've been stuck so long that we don't even think there's a new day coming. We don't even think there's a hope. But guess what? It says at daybreak. They entered the temple courts. Like God is so merciful to us. He gives us a new day every day. Not even six times a week, seven times a week we get a new day. Wow. (laughs) But I think that's God because it's like he knows that we need that rest. He knows that we need to let go of yesterday and have a fresh start. And that's who God is. He's bringing daybreak to you. He's bringing you hope. And if you don't see it, you just need to say, soul, like you believe. Come on, come on, rise up. Let's worship God. Let's look for the sunrise. Let's look for the new day that's coming. Let's see it. Let's believe in it. Let's trust it. Someone came, it says in verse 25, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts preaching to the people. It's like, that's who you are. You're not a prisoner. That's not your identity. Like the past doesn't bind you. It's the calling of God on your life that defines you. And God is calling you out. He's got a purpose for you. He doesn't want you free just so you can escape your life. He wants you free so you can live your calling. He wants you to live your calling. Maybe you've never even asked God for your calling. I recommend that. That's a good place to start. I'd known Jesus um, for... uh, two weeks and I realized I've never asked him what to do with my life. That was a good prayer. All I said is, Jesus, what shall I do? And he said, move to um, California. Your church is there. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was was a bit more detail. That's another sermon, but uh, I'm really glad I prayed that prayer because God has a calling for everyone in this room. He doesn't just have a calling for the pastor or the missionary. He has a calling for you. In your job, in your home with your kids, at your school, he has a call. Um, I'll show you my family. Ah, there they are. I'm biased, but I think they're so cute. That's such an American word, cute. They're very attractive. All right, so Isaac is 11, Naomi's 9, Justice is 3. And um, we've been um, going just through a really challenging year with our family. And some things, you know, it's not time to talk about yet. But one thing I was going to share today is about Justice, our youngest. And um, he is three and a half and he can't really talk yet. And um, as in, like he has many new words recently it's really exciting but there's some things like he's never said like the the letter t or k like k 
like he cannot make those sounds. Like he'll just shake his head or get upset. Like he just can't do it. And so he's been in speech therapy for a year and a half, I think now. And I was always one of those parents like, who puts their kids in like therapy when they're a toddler? And the Lord's like, always humbling you. So I'm like, okay, I suppose I am the parent that does that because you do what your kids need, right? doesn't matter what people think or what you even think. And so anyway, he hasn't been able to have a diagnosis because he doesn't have enough speech to diagnose. I know that sounds weird, but that's how it works. But anyway, um, just a couple of weeks ago, after when I picked him up from therapy, the um, therapist just dropped the bomb, just talking. And anyway, of course, with his speech apraxia, and I was like, what? What did you just say? Because that's like the one thing that we don't want him to have. Um, because that's a breakdown from the brain telling the mouth what to do. It affects like eating, speaking, singing, all of those things. And um, there's lots of speech conditions and some of them you just have to work on. But that one is like, you don't want a problem with your child's brain. Do you know what I mean? As a parent, it's not really on your list of things you want. And, um, you know, it, were, it was in that moment, God just reminded me. Like, he reminded me of when I was three months pregnant and we didn't know yet if he was a boy or a girl. Didn't know anything. It was kind of like, I only just found out I was pregnant. I know that sounds crazy, but I didn't realize I was pregnant. <laughs> and um, he just spoke to me. I was just praying and he just said, Jude. And I was like, huh. Okay, well, that's a boy's name. Um, but he was like, no, it means worship. And just in that moment, I was like, wow. I just knew he's a boy and he's going to be a worship leader. Like, he's going to lead the nations to worship Jesus. And so we called him Justice, Judea, because Judea is the place for those who praise. And we just felt like his life is going to be a place for those who praise Jesus. And God reminded me in the moment, and I was like, well, if he's going to do that, then he's going to be able to talk. And so I'm not going to despair. Like, I'm not going to give up on hope, and I'm not going to tell everyone and complain about him. Why me? Why my child? And ah, oh. You have to go through that sometimes. But for me, I was like, I have a promise. And that's what I'm standing on. And that's all you can stand on. And some of us are, are weak and wobbly in our life because we're not standing on the promise of God. We're standing on our experience. We're standing on what other people have told us. And that doesn't hold up. That's the foundation. Have you read that story? Like build your life on the rock or on the sand. When life's hard, the sand just washes away and you are taken out. But we have to be people that stand on the promise. And so if you're feeling stuck or if you felt like repetitively struggling with the same things or finding it hard to hope or trust in God, ask him for a promise. Say, Lord, I need you to speak into this situation. Like the doctors speak into situations, your family speak into situations, the devil speaks into situations, but we need God to speak into our situation. We need that promise. So when I look at him, I'm like, worship is going to be your breakthrough, boy. And this week, I actually started putting on the same worship song. And he, he, 
um, it was so cool. It's like the song that goes, we come into your house. We come into your house. Can you, Stephen, do you want me on the team? We come into your house. Anyway, he can say the word house. It's random, but he can say it. So every time it comes, he goes, house, house. And he's so proud of himself. And we're all like, yeah, justice. And he's clapping. He goes, house, house. It's so cute. And I'm like, yeah, worship's going to be the breakthrough. Like literally, like you're going to worship and your mouth's going to open. And this is for us too. Like we got to worship our way through. We need we need those walls to come down. We need to remember one thing before we go. God is unstoppable. God cannot be stopped. We give up easily, or maybe just me. I realized this about myself recently because I'm trying to get strong. Look at that. Don't laugh. I'll be arm wrestling you one day, John. Um, Yeah, I've been wanting to get strong. It's kind of been like a word spoken on me my whole life that I'm weak and that I'm frail. And my whole life, the school nurse was always like, are you okay? Are you okay? Every day I'm like, I'm just pale and thin. Just pale and thin, ladies. Not going to change. I'm still going to be pale and thin tomorrow. It's like... I, this is what I used to do. My mom said, when I was little, you just pinch your cheeks all the time, and then you look less pale. So I'd be like running to the school bus, ripping my cheek off. Now I've discovered blusher, and it is life-saving. Anyway, what am I trying to say? Yeah, oh, the weakness and the strength. So anyway, um... So I just literally just realized this about myself, that when I like work out or exercise, I do it until like the moment I get a bit tired or a bit like sweaty. I know that sounds weird, but then I think like, oh, I'm finished because it's getting hard. So like I run on the running machine and then I'm like, oh, ah, the legs are starting to burn a bit. Okay, I'm done. That was such a good workout. And... um. Yeah, I don't know if I wanted to divulge this, but I was just, I was telling my trainer about this this week. And um, I was saying, like, I just, the only time I've ever exercised, like, I just stop when it gets hard. And he just cracked up. And so now it's like I'm exercising and like my legs get wobbly or I'm getting like, oh. he's like, one more, Hannah, one more. And I love it. It's like, yes, we need to push past that place where it's too hard for us. And we need to keep going. Like, we think, we're weird. We think like spiritual things, if they're hard, oh, it's not the Lord. Like, oh, it's not the Lord if it's difficult. Like, oh, it's not the Lord if... Um, if it's hard to like connect in a church, like I shouldn't go to that church anymore. It's like, no, the devil wants to make the most important things so hard. And we have to push through the pain, like the pain of being vulnerable, the pain of believing, the pain of trusting, like getting, getting here today. Like, well done, you got here today. That's good. <laughs> you did it. You know, you've got to push through where it's not comfortable. And realize that God is able 
to do something in me if I just grab to him. Like the woman who'd been bleeding for like years and years and spent all her money on doctors and only gotten worse. And she said, if I just reach for Jesus, like I could be healed. Like that's who we have to be. We have to be those people that believe. We have to let go of our spiritual limitations on God and trust him. I absolutely love the verse I'm going to end on. It's verse 38. It's after this story of the prisoners coming out. And the, the Pharisees and everyone are like, what are we going to do? Like, we put them in jail and then they got broken out and they're preaching again. Like, what? Literally, like, what are we going to do? Like, if we kill them, the people will kill us. If we let them go, they're just going to keep doing this. And a very wise Pharisee stood up and he said, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. That's the truth today for your situation. When you try and when we strive and when we try and make our lives happen, we fail. And we get disappointed and then we blame God. But the truth is, is that when we're with God and when he's in charge and when we surrender our life to him, it will not fail. Like he is faithful. He will get us through and people will only find themselves fighting against God. It's not about my strength. It's not about my ability. I give up when it gets hard sometimes. I'm like, no, I can't do this. But God's like, Hannah, I'm going to bring you out. Hannah, I'm going to take you the way you need to go. That's who God is, and that's a promise for your life today. Will you believe that with me? All right, let's stand together and pray.